0: Welcome to Egress Moshe A to Z. Each week we look at three tshuvas of Rav Moshe Feinstein going through the alphabet, following a different theme each week. This week we're doing the letter A and we're looking at tshuvot that relate to America. Today's tshuva will be from Choshen Mishpat 1, um, which is Monetary Issues, number 72. This was a tshuva written in 1957, uh, one of the earlier chuvot, and this is on the topic of tenant rights. And when the government has passed laws that you are not allowed to evict tenants if they want to stay beyond their lease, Um, whereas according to halacha, after somebody's contract has run out, you can kick them out of their apartment. So the question was, do we have to follow the law of the land? Um, or should we be following halacha? And therefore, as a landlord, I should have a right to kick people out of my apartments if they are staying beyond, the, beyond their lease. Rav Moshe here does deal with the technical issues of the question of Dina de Machusa Dina, the law of the government is the law, and the parameters of contracts. He definitely gets into the classic technical discussion that we expect of a tshuva. But in the beginning, he says something amazing. And he says, I really do not want to discuss the parameters of Dina Damakhusadina what are the parameters of when is this halacha true, that you're obligated to follow government law? This is an issue that has been debated from the time of the Gemara, through the Rishonim, through the poskim, how broad or narrow is this scope, with some poskim making it extremely broad, some making it extremely narrow. You know, am, am I violating halacha when I jaywalk? Because right? I'm Dina the Malchus What exactly is the scope of this? Why does Rav Moshe say he does not want to get into this discussion? Number one, he says, you know, it's a big, complicated sugya. So it's like, excuse me, you know, Rav Moshe, it deals with the most complicated issues ever that obviously cannot be the real reason. And then he says the reason number two, which we all know is the real reason. And here's what he says. And again it goes not only to his attitude towards America but how he wants to be educating the firm community about what their attitude towards America has to be. And he says the following. He says v'od mitam God forbid that it should appear shanu maktinin that we are somehow sh- like minimizing the honor the respect that we that we must give to the government and again the, the theme of we're obligated to be tov for all the good that they have done for us all of the Jewish people and he says that we pray for their welfare etc and then he says And therefore, I don't want to discuss Dina de Malchusa Dina. I don't want to discuss this issue. What does he mean? Because ultimately, what's the discussion of Dina de Malchusa about? If you're trying to talk about exactly its parameters, you're basically saying, when is it allowed for me not to listen to the government? When is it allowed for me to violate law? When will halacha permit me not to follow the, the, the law of the land? Um, and Rav Moshe says, even the discussion of that issue is profoundly offensive to, and certainly it appears offensive to the outside, but I think that he's not just saying to the outside. My read of it is that he's also saying that it inculcates in us that question about when should we be listening and not listening. And that is not right educationally or religiously. We have to be educating ourselves as a Jewish community, whatever the technical halachic parameters of Dina Malchusa, that as living in America, benefiting from America, citizens of America, we have to follow all the laws of the land. So, again, fascinating that he is avoiding a halachic discussion because he says there's a more fundamental orientation and moral obligation that everybody has to follow. Then he does get into a discussion. So, what's left to discuss? He follow the laws of the land. So, he says, I'm not going to discuss what's the scope of Dina the Mahusadina. Here's what I'll discuss. What I'll discuss is that, regardless of the scope of Dina the Mahusadina, so often In monetary matters, the parameters of our monetary agreements are shaped by the practices and the norms where we live. So if I make an arrangement with somebody to watch an object for me, Uh, Does that follow Hilchus Shomrim, you know, in the Gemara? Or should we say, since we're both living in America and there's certain norms about what's expected of somebody in that type of a capacity, those norms are implicitly shaping the agreement. And the general rule is that when you deal with monetary matters, you can really, you know, that you can really shape um, the agreement as you see fit. And the line in the Gemara is, everything is like the of the Medina. So then Rav Moshe says, you know what, that's why the whole discussion of Dida de Machus is moot, because since we're living in a land where this is the law, obviously implicit in any arrangement with your tenant, a two-year arrangement, implicitly you're saying, that you have the right to extend it as long as you want. I don't have the right to kick you out. So then who needs a contract? So Ravmosha says, oh no, the contract is so that if the tenant chooses to leave early, he's still responsible for paying the rent for that period of time. So that is the purpose of the contract. But without Dinan Malhusadina, the length of it that the tenant has a right to stay if he wants to is defined by the norms uh, by the norms. Now Ravmosha says, what a classic response might be, well, maybe it's only the norms from the Jewish community. Who says it's the norms from the larger community? So Ramosha says, no, that doesn't matter. Ultimately, it shapes your implicit assumptions, and it doesn't matter if they're Jewish or non-Jewish. Those are the norms. What if they're not even yet the norms? What if they're just the law, but it has yet, you know, the law has just been issued, and people are not yet practicing it. So much says, nevertheless, if you live in a land where those are the laws, then that is implicitly shaping your understanding of the arrangement even if they have not yet even translated into norms so what he has done in addition to the technical argument is he basically is sort of again similar to a tshuva we saw before where he sort of lays out the moral principle and then also speaks to people who might not be persuaded by that and he talked there about chil hashem here he says i don't want to talk about dina and then but there are some people who are going to say well i do want to talk about it and i feel that according to this i have a right to kick out my tenant so now rev moshe says you know what it, it doesn't matter. Most of the time in monetary matters, whatever your position on Dina and is, those are going to be shaped um, and th- they're going to be in accordance with the law of the land because the implicit rela- uh, arrangement is shaped by those norms. Now, Rav Moshe does acknowledge that there's a position of Mordechai that says that the rule of Hakol Kamina does not apply if the Minag has not been established by like Gedolah Israel, by recognized Jewish leaders. Um, but then Rav Moshe goes sort of takes this Mordechai and first tries to limit it and says he doesn't really mean that it doesn't shape the implicit agreement. It means if there's a debate whether you stipulated against those norms, who would be believed? Of course, many times halacha is just as much about who's believed in facts as it is about what the law is. So if somebody is believed to say they stipulated against it, that would be a way that this wouldn't have to be followed. So then Rav Moshe says, look, at the end of the day, we don't rule like the Mordechai. He deals with it. He acknowledges it. He does get into the weeds somewhat, as it were. He gets into the technical discussion, but at the end of the day, he limits it, and he ultimately dismisses it. At the end of the tshuva, Rav Moshe makes a fascinating point, and he says, here would be one case where, um, in addition to the question about can you evict a tenant, is let's say you need that apartment for your own. You, the landlord, need that apartment for, your, for yourself. So according to halacha, even if the, uh, the, ten- the even if the landlord needs the house for his own purposes, if it is within the period of the rental arra- agreement, he is not allowed to evict the tenant. But Rav Moshe says, I heard that actually, according to the government, the law that the government is passing, that you would be allowed to evict the tenant if you need it for your own personal purposes. So, assuming that that is the law, does that mean that we would override halacha or ignore the law? And Rav Moshe says, no, because once again, even this becomes an implicit stipulation, if that genuinely is the law. But then he ends with an interesting aside, and he says, who do you ask to find out what those facts are? Because we know in Rav Moshe's Q vote, he Deals with a lot of technological issues, medical issues, and the question is always, who are you turning to? And Rav Moshe does not say, oh, he has to be a frum Jew, a Yirei Shemayim, you know, in order to find out what the law of the land is. What Rav Moshe says is, sorry, yodea dinehem shu adam kasher. You have to ask by somebody who knows their laws, meaning a lawyer, an academic. But you know, who you don't ask. You can't trust a judge; they're not assumed to. Be be honest or to be, will tell you the right answer. Maybe he'll give you the wrong answer. Now, I have to tell you, I really don't understand this. I could understand to say, don't ask, ask an academic or ask a lawyer what the law in the books is. Don't ask a judge, because the judge will say, well, it all depends on the situations. Maybe ask the judge more how he would paskin than what abstractly the law is. But I don't understand the point that they don't have a And I have to tell you, I'm troubled with that. After all of Rav Moshe's effort to sort of, you know, sort of shape an attitude towards how we look at America, if one sort of looks at the judges and say, I can't believe that they're always going to tell me the truth or that they're always going to be honest, um, I find that like counterproductive to his general agenda, and I don't even know where it's coming from. So I think we're going to have to end this podcast on a question mark about this, about why he says that. Um, but the ultimate, but but the upshot of this is again, I don't. I want to ele- I want to create a foundation where all from Jews understand that their obligation is to keep all laws of the land. And for those that can't hear that, I'm going to tell you why anyway. You have to follow it. And here because uh, whatever the the law is shapes these types of agreement shapes issues relating to Dinei Thanks for listening to Egris Moshe A to Z with Rabbi Dov Linzer. This podcast is brought to you 3 times a week by Shivat Torah. Don't forget to subscribe and check out yctours.org to learn more.